Hey, well, welcome everyone. Um, Wednesday morning session. Today's talk will be on the quality of mind that we hope to develop in meditation practice. So it's a meditation talk. As always, we should try to get into a semi-meditative state. Or heck, get in a fully meditative state. But um, I guess the reason why I say semi is uh, we have to understand the difference between various types of meditation state. When I mean meditative state, I just mean... Well, I mean four things, and this is what I'm going to talk about today. The dynamic meditative state, a state that is alert and aware and um, is a training state of mind, a state of mind that is developing. Um, it's not a state of mind that is uh, focusing on, on simply relaxation. It's um, a mental training in the same way that we have states of, of physical training, physical exertion. So in a sense we're exerting our minds to to create clarity in the mind. So altogether we're trying to create four different qualities of mind that um, are, are simply different ways of of looking at how our mind should should be when when we're meditating or through the meditation what we should develop in our mind and the first one is a a state of mind that is present we should have a sense of presence of being here and now and um, this is really the defining quality of meditation that distinguishes a meditative state of mind from a non-meditative state of mind a non-meditative state of mind is one that um, spends that, that arises based on a concept or um, is preoccupied with concepts. This is the mind that's in the past thinking about things that have already been uh, already passed away. Angry or upset or sad about think bad things that have happened happy and uh, clinging to good things that happened in the past. 
or worrying and fretting about the future important things that have to be done or dangers, difficulties, suffering that we expect to encounter in the future and hoping and wishing and waiting and expecting for good things to come in the future things that may or may not come A dwelling in daydream, creating stories, fantasies, and so on. And just the general, our general tendency to judge and to analyze, to extrapolate on the bare experience of reality. So reality, the, the present moment is a, um, it's a very incredible broad and vast uh, playing field and I think this is what we don't realize this is clearly what we don't realize we think of reality as something dull and boring and uninteresting but this is directly because of our lack of attention to reality if you look around the room that you're sitting in when you compare it to the deer park in the Buddha center. You automatically, if you're like any of us, you you compare the two and you say how beautiful the deer park is, and how dull and boring is my um, my ordinary room here. This this is really how we we look at um, at reality. We're not looking at it closely enough. We're we're not clearly aware of the. Uh, dynamic experience that's occurring around us and so we've already prejudged and this is you know generally uh, ourselves are not um, not interesting enough not acceptable our experience of reality is is dull and boring and so we spend mo much of our time watching television movies and fantasies and drama and so on that are much more interesting and exciting they're they're much more immediate and have much more intense states of pleasure and displeasure excitement and um, and so on but when you look at reality you you, you when you you start to um, appreciate the experience in front of you you can see how how incredibly vast and profound it is and how much uh, depth there is to the simple reality around us simply sitting in this room the depth of the experience you can see all of the different mind states occurring all of the different experiences that actually for most of us it's it's a it's a fight that we're going through at every moment we're we're living in a combat zone uh, in in one sense in that we're always fighting with ourselves we're always tormenting ourselves torturing ourselves chasing after this chasing after that running here and running there and so it's like we're ignoring this very important um, struggle that we have in front of us 
And uh, and th that's one of the reasons why we do this is because of how terrifying it is and how unprepared we are for the work ahead of us. Most of the time, I mean, if you go into into a, stumble upon a battleground totally unprepared with no skill in in weaponry, the first thing you want to do is run away. The problem in this case is it's your fight, and when you run away, you're running away from yourself. The, the, the problems don't go away. It's like when you have a, 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 a messy room or a messy house, and you just shove stuff in the closet or, or hide it under the rug or so on. Um, keep putting off the inevitable until it gets to the point that you break down and have to have to do something. Either that or... Uh, move out so meditation is is in in essence the weapons and the tools that are necessary to um, to fight the to, to fight the fight to clean our mind cleanse our minds to make reality a comfortable place to live to find our, our home to find our home wh where it, it um, where it has to has to lie where, where it must be in the present in in reality instead of trying to make our home in fantasy in uh, illusion in the, the the actors in the drama of television and so on So th this is the first important quality that we're hoping to gain in meditation. When we practice, it's most important that we understand we have to be here and now. These two words are um, the mo among the most important that you can you can remember to un to uh, have a clear understanding of meditation. When you meditate, two of the most important words for you are, should be here and now. If your mind is not here and and or it's not now, um, then you can't really be said to be meditating. So in, in the case of the technique that I teach, when you're watching the stomach, for instance, and the stomach rises, it's important that you're saying it at the moment that the stomach rises, and your mind is there with it. This is kind of a trick to keep yourself in the present moment, is to be asking yourself or checking on yourself whether you actually are aware of the beginning of the movement, the middle of the movement and the end of the movement. Because when you get good at it, you can see that it's broken up into pieces. That you can separate the rising from the falling. That you can separate the right foot from the left foot. That you see that they are different experiences. That you're able to see the arising of every experience and the ceasing. So when you say, rising, you should be able to see the beginning and the end. And your acknowledgement is at the exact moment. When you walk, stab, being right, it should be exactly as the foot moves. The second quality of mind that we're trying to create is stability. So, or continuity is another way of, of looking at it. Because our minds 
before we start meditating are most likely to be unstable and discontinuous jumping this is this famous um, simile of the monkey our mind is like a monkey the monkey can't sit still and it jumps from tree to tree so in the same way our mind jumps around flitting here and there and we find it incredibly difficult to focus on our work to focus on the things that are important to us to get things done we're terribly inefficient um, before we practice, begin to practice meditation if our mind is untrained we find uh, our ability to live our lives in the way that we want um, is quite limited and we find ourselves frustrated a lot of the time that we're not able to achieve our goals not able to stay focused because our minds are unstable because we we flit here and there going from one thing to another and you can see this even when we're when we're you're sitting here listening to the talk and your mind is going to this and to that jumping from me to the deer back to me off to Facebook, off to Twitter, wherever it goes So this is kind of this is part of the the technique of meditation is this ability to to remain continuously aware to not just be in the present moment um, for for a mo for a second for one moment or two moments or a few moments it's this trick of of making it continuous because you'll find that you'll be with the rising falling rising falling and then your mind wanders. It's our ability to adapt the meditation to every aspect of our existence, to slowly um, become wise, in the same way as a hunter will, will stalk their prey and will begin to um, understand the habits of the prey. You know, in the morning they go to the, to the watering hole and then they go to the to the the fruit trees or so on and where they where they live where they rest is able to understand the patterns so when we when we begin to meditate as we meditate on and on we're slowly able to understand how our mind works and able to catch it just like a hunter who slowly begins to understand their prey And this is this is very important. It's important to not become overconfident because we have a good meditation session. It's important, or because for a moment we were mindful, and therefore we're meditating. Um, we're trying to lift our minds out of out of our habits, our our um, unwholesome tendencies, our ordinary untrained way of living. And that's incredibly difficult because when we stop training, in the beginning when we stop training, because the habits are so strong in comparison to this new way of, of, of living, of, of, under, of approaching reality, the mind will 
will immediately revert back to its old way and, and start to develop the habit and, and heal the wound in the sense um, that we've created to undo the changes. So if we're not vigilant, if we're not um, diligent in our practice, always watching our minds and, and catching them when they run off. So when we're thinking about things, thinking, thinking, when, we're, when emotions arise, to apply the same technique to, to every state that arises. If we're, if, if we're not able to do this, our minds will go back to their old way. and um, It's very difficult to, to progress. One of the, a very important quality of mind, therefore, is this continuity. And what it does is it creates stability. It changes our mind from flitting around and, and from um, from the diffused state of, state of mind to one that's able to focus on things. You'll find that you're better able to um, to study. You're better able to perform long hours of work uh, without complaining, without getting upset, obviously because you're able to deal with the emotions. Your mind is much more stable. When um, suffering comes, you might still suffer, but you don't react um, by, you don't react irrationally um, by flying off the handle and, and shouting and screaming or crying or doing things, doing irrational things. You find that you're able to deal with the upset and even to to avoid being upset at all, to simply see things as they are, not become confused or or uncertain, not to become upset by them, because of the stability of mind. So this continuity, when we practice within a round, it's important to be mindful, but it's also important to be continuous between rounds. So one example is when we do walking meditation and sitting meditation. When we move from walking to sitting, we should try to make it continuous. This is a good exercise to train yourself in 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 catching the changes so that when something unexpected comes, you're able to deal with it. And it creates a continuous meditation. After you finish the walking, don't just run back to your sitting mat or go to the washroom or whatever. Um, try to be mindful in everything you do. So walking, walking, when you sit down, sitting, sitting. And then carrying it into your daily life. This is why, of course, meditation in daily life is so important because the, your morning meditation um, can be totally un undone throughout the course of the day. Not totally, but it's um, the, the benefit is greatly diminished by the fact that we're reverting to our old way, our old unmeditative ways during the day. So when you have the chance, try to be mindful during the day, and this creates at least a... a basic sense of continuity that your mind is able to start to adapt to a new way of looking at things so this is the second second quality the third quality that we're trying to gain is clarity of mind of course and this is the most wonderful of them all I would say um, it's what really brings people faith in the Buddhist teaching is this this taste of clarity of mind. I don't think it's uncommon for people who have finished a basic course in meditation to to feel like 
they were dead before and they've only just started living. Um, especially those of us who were involved in things that were unwholesome before, who, for whatever reason, engaged in uh, unwholesome or, or you know, things, activities that were detrimental to our own happiness that brought us and other people states of misery and suffering. Because we live our lives in such a superficial way, we we feel pain, and we don't really experience the pain because we're immediately engaged in an intense effort to blot it out, to chase it away, to to run away from it, to not have to to do anything so that we don't have to experience the pain whatever it takes to um, to obliterate the, the painful sensation or to remove ourselves from the situation. And so we haven't really experienced the pain at all. We haven't given it a chance. We haven't, we've, we've, it's prejudice. We're, we've prejudged the pain and uh, I've moved on to our fantasies, our illusions about how terrible it is. And with everything else, everything that comes, we're immediately judging and analyzing and creating mental fabrications about it, how terrible that person is and all the bad things they did to us. And the person's gone, right? They've The situation's over and we carry it on and on and on. And it, it's so automatic and so routine um, that we never clearly experience anything. We live our lives jumping from experience to experience, it's totally superficially, never having a deep awareness, clear awareness of things. And it's, so it's like a slap in the face or cold water thrown over your head. When suddenly you experience something clearly, it's like, it, it's in, in completely new. This is what it, what's so wonderful about using this mantra on reality instead of focusing on some concept that gives you this intense state of concentration. Focusing back on reality, when you say to yourself, rising, falling, when you really get it, or when you say pain, pain, or sad, sad, whatever, when you really, uh, when you really get into the meditation, the clarity that comes from it, you, you just see it for what it is. You, know, you could have had this incredible problem this terrible, uh, life-threatening situation. Maybe you're thinking about suicide even, or, or doing something drastic. And so you're, you're wrapped up in this totally uh, make-believe world of, of, of suffering. And then you change that and you say, oh, I'm depressed, and depressed, depressed, sad, sad, or whatever afraid, afraid. And you realize that's it. You know, there's no problem, there's just fear. And it's then it's like, so what? And it's gone. When the fear's gone you've you've forgotten about it. You've moved on. 
what I'm trying to explain here is the experience that obviously ex explaining is only uh, an, an, an um, sort of a rough um, an estimation of, of what it really is like but the point is that you can experience this for yourself it's not theoretical and it's what you should experience even in the beginning of meditation that you feel so much more peace um, and of course the the qualifiers that you probably feel a lot more suffering once you really get into the meditation because you start to go deep so the state of clarity should be distinguished from a state of calm um, clarity can be incredibly painful in the beginning because you have to face things that are challenging your basic assumptions about reality you know, and are totally foreign to our old way of behaving so being forced to look at these things that normally cause violent reactions um, isn't you know we, we aren't in the beginning able to prevent the violent reactions and so we're able to see these violent reactions and we're forced to um, to go over this reaction again and again and again and uh, this often leads people to um, to turn away from the meditation when you don't have a quote good teacher or when the um, experiences are too extreme many people do choose to turn away to to try to find a meditation that's a little bit more calm and peaceful because they don't want to look at these things um, obviously this is you know we're so set on reacting uh, by running away by chasing away or by as I said removing ourselves from the experience so this clarity of mind, while, it, while it's a wonderful state, it's also an incredibly challenging state to have to approach the things that we're most reluctant to approach, that um, we've established a, we've built our life around running away from. And this is important to understand, it's important to explain, it's probably important to explain again and again and again, because theory is one thing. But when you get on the meditation mat, you're still going to run away from these things. You're still going to um, do your best to avoid them. And we have to remind ourselves again and again and again that um, we're running away from ourselves. And the suffering that we experience by, um, by focusing on these things, by examining them, is... Is, be, is not because of the meditation, but it's because of our wrong approach to these things. When we see this, when we see the suffering we're causing, and when we um, repeatedly are forced, force ourselves to, to look and see, look what you're doing to yourself. Look, what, look at this way that you're reacting. Look, look at how you're living your life. Look at what you're doing. You know, look at the suffering you're causing to yourself. I guarantee this is the only way we can ever hope to change. Um, and it's profound. It's profound that the immediate change that comes over you when you go through this intense suffering, when you force yourself to look at what you're doing to yourself, when you force yourself to see your um, negative and unwholesome tendencies. So this is 
this clarity of mind is most important. How do we create the clarity of mind? We have to we have to be careful when we use this mantra to not have it be mantra-like in the sense of um, being nothing more than words that we say at, at the lips or in our head, or, um, you know, irregardless of the, the the reality in front of us. Our our acknowledgement should have a certain quality of of energy to it. You know, sending the mind out to the object. We should be dynamic in the sense of again and again and again every second. There's an estimate that one teacher gave that you should be clearly aware of one thing per second. That's a, a good estimate of of uh, the optimum meditative state. Now, obviously in the beginning and in daily life this is this is very near impossible. But the the point is to increase it beyond just, you know, a few times a day to whenever we have the chance, whenever we're clearly aware, whenever we're in that position to uh, to see things, to, to, to use the meditation and to uh, send our minds out to the object. We have to clearly know the object. We can't simply say to ourselves, rising, falling, rising, falling, totally unaware of whether, of whether it's actually when it starts rising, when it stops rising and so on. Be saying to ourselves, pain, 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 and and all the time we're thinking, hope it goes away, hope it goes away, hope it goes away. When's it gonna go? When's it gonna go? I hate this. I hate this, and so on. We're not really aware of the pain as pain. We are. We we've already gone into the judging mode, and so we're we're not really with reality. Whatever the object is, if, if if you're upset about something, you shouldn't be focusing on that thing, you should be focusing on the fact that you're upset. When you like something, you shouldn't be focusing on the thing, you should be focusing on the fact that you like it. Liking, liking, or disliking, as it may be. And so it's important to to verify this, that you're clearly aware of the object. You should be knowing what's going on when you say the mantra. When you say to yourself, rising, it's uh, synchronous, synch synchronized with the the, mo the actual movement, the awareness of the movement. It's, it's at the same time as you're aware of it, or it's, um, it goes hand in hand with our awareness. The fourth important quality of mind is a balance state of mind, that through the practice of meditation our mind becomes not only constant but, but, but balanced in the sense of um, not being too analytical but not being too faithful, too confident, not being too uh, energetic but not being too concentrated. To have a state of mind that is, uh, one way to describe it, I think, is absolutely normal or absolutely ordinary. I, I've often talked about meditation as bringing us back to where we already think we are. We think we're here and now, right? You think you're sitting here, you think you're aware of, of, of everything that goes on. But the truth is you're not. This is why when we hear about 
um, Buddhist meditation, um, you know, Buddhist meditation that's focused on on ourselves, on reality. We think of we think how boring, how uninteresting, how useless, and often how basic, how how beginner. Oh, that's something for newbies. Maybe that's useful in the beginning, but when do we get into godhood and uh, you know the the self and magical powers and uh, uh, deep spiritual attainments of some sort? Right? I mean, it's got to be magical. It's got to be special. And um, you know, there, there there are many different interpretations of of the spiritual path. But um, I give you my take on it that the Buddha's teaching is to to leave behind the special and to come back to the ordinary, to come back to who we are, because that's what we're neglecting. We're we're already focused constantly on special, right? That's why we come to Second Life. It's neat. It's new. It's interesting. It's fun. It's novel, right? The human need to always find things novel, new things. Look at what we've done to this world, you know. First it was the, um, well, you know, starting with the computer, uh, the, the Apple computer that, we, that I had when I was six years old, and then it was the PC, the 386, and then the Pentium, and so on and so on, and now it's the iPad how we need new and, and more exciting, more immediate. How the internet has, has totally uh, changed the way we look at the world and, and um, has become a bit of an obsession in our quest for something new, for, for the latest experience. Special is not a problem. We can do special. But the problem is... There's no end in sight, and there's no end possible. It's like a drug addict hoping to get the the ultimate fix. There is no ultimate fix. What we're doing is very clear and simple from scientific terms. If you talk to the scientific community, they can give you a very clear explanation of the process of addiction as it occurs in the brain. And you'd have to be blind to to not make the connection between how we how we um, how we live our lives and this process of addiction how how our society is going in terms of trying to find new and greater and and more immediate experiences of pleasure so when I talk about experiencing the ordinary, it, it sounds rather dull, and, and I've got to admit that that's a rather dull way of putting it. But the important point there is that we aren't anywhere near a clear understanding of the ordinary. and Because what we mean by ordinary, what we ordinary call ordinary, mundane, you know, um, you know, and associate with boring, is actually this balanced state where we're centered, where we are here and now, where we find um, profundity, where we find the absolute in the here and now. And, and this is the secret about n nirvana, 
you know, this great Buddhist concept, this mysterious, ultra, deep, spiritual, ultimate state. It's within you. It's here. It's now. It's what's left when you let go of everything else. When there's no clinging. Nibbana, nirvana isn't going somewhere. Nirvana is going within. Is is not going anywhere. It's when the mind stops jumping. When the mind stops clinging, stops um, going out, chasing after. When the mind comes back to reality, back to nature, back to the here and now. So, you know, what we're doing by avoiding reality, by avoiding nature, by avoiding the here and now is is creating this imbalance. This is the cycle of addiction where we build and build and build and build and build until finally at some point or other we crash. It's um it's like building a house of cards. You can build and build and build bigger and bigger but you know eventually it's going to crash. You don't know when, but when it crashes you you're left without. You can't sustain it and so so in meditation we balance our minds by through mindfulness through the practice but by specifically realizing where we're imbalanced so as I said people who are too analytical who are subject to constant doubt about everything who um, have expectations and, and, and wondering. You know, if you read a lot, then every experience that comes in meditation you immediately associate it with something you've read. You know, is this it? Is this it? Or you've heard about um, the, the, the knowledges, the wisdom that you're supposed to gain from the practice and you you start to build it to create it and imagine that you're experiencing it. Oh yes, this is the realization of impermanence. This is the realization of emptiness, and so on. And I tell you, these realizations they have nothing to do with with dis um, discursive thinking. The realization is 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 like seeing something with your own eyes, and when it's when you've seen it, it's gone. That's it. There's no the discursive thinking is is just that is just thinking about it. Our doubts are not going to help us in meditation. You know, people always talk about how the Buddha encouraged us to doubt and to be skeptical and so on. He didn't. He didn't at all. He encouraged us to have an open mind and to not believe things. But there's a difference because skepticism and doubt are mind states. You know, it's an obsession in the mind. When you're doubting something, you're not seeing it clearly. When you have an open mind, then you can see you you see the object for what it is. See, there's no need for doubt. If you don't yet see it for for how it is, then you look at it and you 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 understand it. That people get caught up in doubt and think, "Is this right? Is my teacher really? Nobody's talking about. Is this meditation?" No good for me, and so on and so on. So doubt is a is a is a very difficult. Um, it's a hindrance in meditation practice. 
When you feel doubt, you sh when you experience doubt, you should say to yourself, doubting, doubting, focus on the doubt. If you don't want to, if you don't have clear confidence in anything else, then focus on what is clearly clearly in your mind, focus on the doubt. Because even just focusing on doubt can can bring enlightenment. When you say to yourself, doubting, and just look at the doubting for what it is. I guarantee you'll never have to doubt again. On, on the contrary, for, for people who have too much faith and too much confidence, um, it's equally harmful. Because these are the people who chase after um, meditation experience, experiences in meditation. These are the people who go crazy through meditation, who drive themselves crazy. I've seen this happen. It's a lot of fun. I spent four nights in a mental hospital in Chiang Mai, Thailand with a with um, a woman who who had gone crazy temporarily she drove herself crazy she wound herself up so much that um, she started to believe the craziness and started following after it and was admitted to a mental hospital after going crazy in the monastery and that's she's not alone that happens but it doesn't happen to people who are afraid of going crazy. See, that's the thing. It goes. It it, it happens to people who aren't afraid of going crazy. People who don't don't have any sense of of um, of concern or or of awareness of, of of what they're doing, and so they chase after anything. When they see sights, visions come up in meditation, and they pursue them. Yes, where's this going to lead? Right. Maybe this will lead me somewhere. Maybe this will take me to enlightenment. And we follow. I did it as well when I first started. They, there was, you know, we learn about the middle way, the middle way, and and this our teacher keeps telling us middle way, middle way. So I started feeling this line down the middle of my body from my head to my to my abdomen. And I started, you know, pursuing that. Okay, gotta expand this and and somehow get into the middle way. And then my head started tingling, and I felt like, okay, now I'm becoming enlightened or something. It was crazy. I was I was winding myself into some kind of well, crazy state. It probably would have drove me crazy had I um, not broken out of it or given up. I mean, it was just giving me headaches. It's important that we don't place more emphasis on things um, than is warranted. I remember thinking that, you know, this headache that I had meant that there was something inside that it was, I was repressing and waiting to come out, you know, and I was trying to look at this headache and imagining it like a ball and like an onion that I could somehow peel open. And it was ridiculous because it was a headache and it was, it was happening because I was stressing, because I was focusing too much attention, putting too much importance on this. And say we... We... We don't have this this you know, rationality. This is a analysis or analytical thinking is important. You know, when you feel a headache, it's it's a headache, right? If you if you have a clear sense, then then it's nothing more. When you see an image, it's an image. You're seeing something. That's it. When you hear sounds, people hear chanting, and they say, "Oh." You're hearing something. It's a. It's you know in in psychology they call, call it hallucination, right? 
We don't have to go either way. It is what it is. You see, you hear... Oh, so many different things that can happen in meditation. But without the, the, without the analytical side, you, 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 you chase after everything. With too much analytical side, you aren't able to, to let go and to experience it for what it is. So this is what is meant by balancing here. The other way of balancing is with effort and concentration. So people with too much effort, this is where the monkey mind comes in. The mind is not stable. And people who come to the practice with intense states of energy, they can often drive themselves crazy, but it's kind of in a different way. It's it's more in the in the sense of unable to control themselves. So these are the people I've had meditators run around, suddenly have to get up and run or walk very quickly around the monastery. Um, meditators who, who suddenly find themselves um, in violent jerking or, or uncontrollable action, bodily actions because they're chasing after it, because they're um, you know, there's this incredible energy and then they aren't able to, to control it and also on a mental level when the mind is racing here, racing there in meditation you can you can gain many different kinds of knowledge for some people it's it can be mundane knowledge and suddenly you're able to solve all of your life's problems and you have all these brilliant ideas and they seem brilliant at the time and you go over them and you develop them and suddenly you've got a five-year plan or a ten-year plan or you know how to solve all people's pro all of your friends' problems, all of your family's problems and you wind yourself up and you're, you're totally lost and the meditation is gone. This is what comes from too much energy. On the other side, with too much concentration, um, it's like... Um, well, it's like when you're playing piano. Meditation is like, in a sense, playing piano because there's a rhythm to it and there's a, a dy dynamic um, to it that you're not just pushing one key and, and sticking there. You can't just hit one note and say you're playing the piano. For many people, meditation is like this. They focus on one thing or they focus their minds. They, they stick their minds to something. And that's that's not the way reality works. That's not nature. Na nature is is dynamic, and so to some extent you have to you have to keep up with this. But you have to you have to slow your mind down so it's it's natural, but not go to an extreme where you're you're forcing things away. You're forcing the mind to blot out reality. We're trying to come back to a natural state, an ordinary state of awareness and dynamic participation. Um, in tune with the rhythm of life. So, um, the other thing, you know, with 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 intense concentration, it 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 can cause you to pass out. It causes people to fall asleep when they meditate, or to enter into trance-like states, where they're, you know, they can they can be stuck for for some time. Which can actually be a good thing if you're practicing other types of meditation, but it's obviously not conducive for insight meditation for a clear understanding of reality. So all of these uh, imbalances, they're considered imbalances in in insight meditation. And as I said, the, the way of, of of doing away with them is, is simply mindfulness. But here mindfulness 
focused on the hindrances. So when you when you um, when you have doubts, to say to yourself, doubting, doubting. When you want or are interested in something, you're curious about something, to say, wanting, wanting, liking, or curious, curious, or interested. Interested and curious, they're really just um, you know, justifications for the liking, the the the, the uh, grasping for the object. So it's it is in a sense liking or, or wanting. If you feel distracted, just say to yourself, distracted, distracted, or you can focus on the energy. You can feel the energy as a feeling, feeling, or energy, or so on. And if you feel tired, tired, or focused, say focused, focused, or calm, or quiet, when the mind is calm and quiet. Um, and, and this breaks up our... Um, our habit of, of going off away from reality, and it brings us back to uh, this dynamic state where we're able to keep up with the the rhythm of life, we're able to keep up with things as they happen. So these are four good qualities that I think uh, are essential in, in the meditation practice. Um, and so I think this is a benefit, and uh, I wanted to share that with you today. That's all I have to say for today. I'd like to thank you all for coming. If you have any questions, I'm happy to take them. And either way, um, I hope the pra this teaching has been of some benefit to you and that you're able to put it into practice for your development on the path and that you may all find for yourselves peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. Thank you for coming.